This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. Yeah! What is going on, Raider Nation? Welcome to episode 31. And first off, I'd like to thank all you guys for the love after that last show. Uh, it really was one of my favorite interviews or favorite football chats for sure. Shout out to the Carr family, David Carr. Thank you for coming on, man. Uh, it was definitely a big show, but uh, we're not stopping there, man. There's definitely still more to come. Even though it was my favorite episode, I think there's bigger ones that await. And shout out again to Raiders Beat also for uh, helping me and collaborating and making sure we had a we had a real good interview and a lot of good content for you guys last week. And now I got some announcements for you guys. Like I said last week, this is kind of the slowest time of the year. Uh, the players are on a break. There's little to no roster moves going on around the league. Um, almost anywhere, nobody's in the building. They're all just kind of taking a little vacation. It's kind of the, the calm before the storm. Um, but we did start chipping away at what I thought we'd accomplish this week. So here we go. The Raiders signed three of their four remaining rookies to contracts on Tuesday. Number four pick, Cleland Farrell. Number 40 pick, Trayvon Mullen. And then number 27 pick, Jonathan Abram, are all officially under contract. And now we're just waiting for Josh Jacobs. You know, I kind of hit on it last week. Of course, we stopped OTAs a little bit early. Uh, most likely took advantage of some more team-building exercises, some, some more bonding time for these guys. And being the type of draft that we had, obviously we thought maybe we reached for some of these players, but now we think it's okay because they're high character, um, high energy, very good leaders on and off the field. If that's the case, and this time, this time off, this little break that they have, this is very important. If, we're, if these guys are going to be cornerstone players or, or players that are going to be future leaders of this team and organization, uh, then this is very important. They got to get along. So a lot of these young guys, especially our first few picks, uh, you know, definitely need to become best friends if they're going to be seeing each other the next four or five years at least. Uh, so enjoy it. Follow the Raiders on social media. Check out their YouTube pages. Obviously, I think this week the rookies went to Magic Mountain. There's some good stuff. You get some, uh, you get a little taste of what we're going to see on Hard Knocks coming in a few weeks. Uh, so definitely excited and, and enjoy the calm before the storm. But at the Raider Cody Podcast, we got to stick to business here. We got a lot of stuff to cover, and we have another great guest this week. Um, although we've had uh, big names such as Jason Cabinda, Max Crosby, Ian Rappaport, and even David Carr. We're not going to stop there. We're going to try and bring you guys great guests every week during this slow time to really just, you know, kind of pack as much content as possible into these. 
Uh, so this guest, I'm really excited because he plays a very vital role in a new up-and-coming stat uh, around the league. And this is a stat, or should I say a, a, a collection of stats, that can be used for any position all over the football field for any player. And even though it's kind of had its ups and downs, uh, people find its weaknesses, it's definitely growing. They're definitely adjusting it. And my next guest plays a huge role in that. Um, he's kind of the strategy analyst for them. So for PFF and Pro Football Focus, there's a lot of good things to come, and I'm definitely excited. We're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, I'm going to be trying to pick the brain here of a mastermind behind Pro Football Focus, Austin Yale. So joining me now is Austin Gale, the Senior Content and Strategy Analyst for Pro Football Focus. What's going on, Austin? Nothing much, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, not a problem. I'm glad I got you on here to pick your brain and talk football. Um, but I might throw some off-the-wall questions in the middle of these football topics. You cool with that? Yeah, of course. Awesome, man. So talking PFF, because obviously, you know, that's your specialty. That's, that's your alley right there. Um, I'm not sure everyone knows, you know, the general idea or the goal that PFF is trying to get with their grades. Can you give us like a breakdown of this new and upcoming system? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the largest goal is to evaluate players, you know, obje- as objectively as possible across the NFL, the NCAA, and we've even dipped into high school a little bit, expanding our grading system down to the high school ranks. And it's about evaluating players across a subjective grading system within a framework approaching every single player with the same framework which i'm not sure if you're familiar with we grade every single player on every play at the nfl and ncaa level from a scale of negative two to positive two that raw score then gets normalized into the zero to 100 grades that normalization just started really in 2014 when chris collinsworth bought the company and we kind of shifted into the zero to 100 grades to have more of a consumer facing product saying aaron donald finished with a plus plus. 92.1 Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. you know a negative 15.6 didn't do a lot for you know base level fans they didn't truly understand it putting it on that zero to 100 scale allowed for people to see average above average and more you know easier to digest and i think the grading system overall is is a consumer product and a and a um a product that we do with the nfl and ncaa teams right now we have over 50 college teams um, supplying data to 50 college teams and all 32 NFL teams. And a significant reason they use the data is because it does have predictive power, specifically with some positions and some um, facets of the game, pass protection, pass rushing, coverage, still a little bit more volatile in the grading system, but passer rating from a clean pocket, grade from a clean pocket, those stats that we pull, those grades that we pull across years have proven to be predictive year over year going from the college level to the nfl our accuracy stuff as well our accuracy grades also do well so a lot of that there's a consumer facing element to it to you know the nfl fan in the bar that wants to know is x player better than y player you can look at the grades and kind of get an understanding of that and there's also the nfl side of things trying to get an idea of is this college player going to translate? Is this guy going to be good next year? Free agency is a big where they come up for the NFL teams and stuff. So it's a, it's a wide ranging um, in terms of it's wide ranging in terms of what people use it for. But it, all in all, it's to 
analyze and evaluate players and, and, and really make player evaluation better. Gotcha. Now that predictive stuff, that is absolutely next level. That's what I really appreciate about this, uh, this whole system that you guys have going on over there. And I wanted to ask you what, you know, looking at, obviously we're going to, I always talk about the most controversial topic almost every episode, Derek Carr coming into this season. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're looking at his PFF grades, you know, pretty much his entire career, 2014 is an 85. 2015 is 96, 2016, 103.7, 2017, 100, and then 2018, a 104.8, which all those last three grades are all in the top 15. How can someone not believe, you know, that those are, you know, positive for the prediction for his future? Yeah. So I think you really have to boil down with Derek Carr specifically, look at his comparison in clean pocket passer rating and passing grade compared to under pressure or pressured passer rating and passing grade from a clean pocket he's been ever since after his second year in the nfl inside the top 15 in clean pocket passer rating clean pocket passing grade he hasn't broke the top 10 but he's inside the top 15 and i think that's how a lot of the nfl would evaluate him as a player looking under pressure one of the more volatile statistics and grades that pff looks at grade under pressure is as volatile as it gets you can have quarterbacks that will have a terrible year, one year under pressure, and then explode. You see, saw that with Case Keenum with the Minnesota Vikings. He had a great year under pressure behind a bad Vikings offensive line and got him paid pretty well. But his passer rating and grade from a clean pocket was never that great. It never was an elite level. And when you're not good from a clean pocket, that is sustainable year over year. You don't see quarterbacks get significantly better three, four years into their career from a clean pocket standpoint. With Derek Carr, 2016 was one of the best you know, quarterback performance for under pressure we've ever seen in the PFF era. Derek Carr played so well under pressure in 2016, obviously had the injury. And ever since his play under pressure, as expected, has been volatile, has dropped from what was an absurd year that we don't see year over year with quarterbacks. His clean pocket passing grade, however, has remained the same. He needs to improve in that regard, though. It is much difficult to improve that regard because we see how not volatile that is. He's staying in that 15 to 12, 15 to an 11 range from a ranking standpoint and getting better in that area is where Derek Carr needs to take the next step. Getting better under pressure, you know, you kind of throw it in the air and hope you are good under pressure. So many factors mm -hmm. factor into that, but clean pocket passing grade is something where stable, you know, consistent improvement in the clean pocket, getting more accurate with the football, making better decisions is what's going to drive your PFF grade up and what's going to drive your overall performance up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I understand even last year, too, taking uh, 52 sacks is, I think, in a way, I've been calling this a blessing in disguise. I think it's definitely going to improve him, hopefully, going into this next year. Um, and Austin, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say, I don't want to call you a one-trick pony here, but I like to think that your specialty is spotlighting wide receivers. Now, whether, you know, you're breaking down their route or pointing out great coverage on the other side, starting with our wide receivers, what is it about this group that we have this year that makes them so much better than last year? Well, it's an injection of young and very talented wide receiver. Antonio Brown Ty you know, and Tyrell Williams, though Antonio Brown is, you know, closer to 30, but Jordy Nelson was not that young, athletic, freakishly a talented guy. He was on the downturn. Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams are both very talented wide receivers. And just bringing in those two guys is going to be a huge improvement for this team. And then you factor in Ryan Grant as well is an upgrade over Seth Roberts. Hunter Renfro is an upgrade over Seth Roberts. Josh McCown in his prime is an upgrade over Seth Roberts. <laughs> bringing someone in the slot that can be consistent here at PFF We've seen that expected points added per dropback when targeting the slot has grown higher 
and higher every year in the last five years to a point where last year it was more valuable to target slot receivers on on average than it was to target outside receivers. There's so much value Mm. in the slot. And when you have an inefficient, poor receiving talent in the slot and you're not able to take advantage of the middle of the defense and, and take advantage of the seams like you can with a good slot receiver or even above average slot receiver, it really hurts your offense. Forcing balls to the sideline outside the hashes hashes, makes it harder for the quarterback, and also it's harder to find outside receiving talent that can compete like that. And the Raiders definitely didn't have that last year, not from an overall starting standpoint or from a depth standpoint. Bringing Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown, if they both can stay healthy, will be some of the best receivers they've had since maybe the 2016 Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. Shoot, man, I'm telling you, I love this wide receiver group. I'm even looking at who's going to be on the bubble. I'm like looking at Keelan Doss. I'm like, man, he, he came in undrafted. He could be on the <laughs> bubble, and I wouldn't have minded him uh, starting for us last year. So that's uh, I'm excited for this year's group for sure, man. Oh, absolutely. There's a ton of people to be excited about. I think Hunter Renfro specifically, I'm so excited for this Raiders team to get yes. an upgrade in the slot. You've seen Seth Roberts over three or four years. I've talked about it, tweeted about it, wrote about it. Seth Roberts has statistically been the least efficient wide receiver in the slot in his career in the last five years in the NFL. Getting someone in there that can improve in that area, make, you know, allow you to take advantage of that mismatch on the defensive side of the ball is huge. I think it's very important for the Raiders to make an upgrade there. And I think whether it's Ryan Grant or Hunter Renfro, you're going to see improved play plus play from that position. Good stuff. Austin, this is our first conversation. I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to go. I see all your content on Twitter. I'm like, man, if he brings half of that to the microphone, uh, I'm going to be absolutely stoked, man. But, you know, obviously this being our first conversation, I want to I want to know a little bit more about you. So I'm going to throw you a curveball question here. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So would you rather have finger-sized nipples or nipple-sized fingers? Wow. Hmm. Finger-sized nipples or nipple-sized fingers? It's a difficult question. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say maybe nipple-sized fingers. I feel like I can make, move, I can make moves with smaller hands. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. I think a le- lesser two evils, I'll go nipple-sized fingers. So you can you can you don't want to try and hide the finger-sized nipples. You're going to go with the nubs on the. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm with that. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. So now I know I I learned quite a bit about you, Austin, just on that one question. Believe it or not. <laughs> Getting back to football here. My biggest concern um, on both sides of the ball now is in the trenches. You know, I shouldn't necessarily say concern, but it's for sure my biggest question mark. How the heck are we going to get to the quarterback this year, Austin? I mean, it can't be any worse than last year. In the PFF era, the Raiders' pass rush was the worst. On third downs, worst pass rush you know, percentage in terms of pressure percentage. On f- first and second downs, worst in pressure percentage. Overall, worst in pressure percentage. When rushing three, the worst. When rushing four, the worst. Five plus, the worst. They could not get pressure on the opposing offense, on the quarterback, on passing downs. And it was incredible to see. I think this year it can only get better. You can't expect to see that same level of ineptitude year over year, especially if you can get a more East Hurst healthy. P.J. Hall contributes some way positively across the 16-game season. Arden Key in year two. Cleveland Farrell you just spent a first-round pick on. I think that's where you have to hope they get better. You can only get better, though from where they were last year. I still don't think they're going to be a top half of the NFL pass rushing, you know, pass rushing defense, but they're going to be better than whatever they put on defense last year. I would, I would be for for sure with that. 
Yeah, give me top 20. I think I'll be at least satisfied for sure. But <laughs> flipping over now to the other side of the ball, looking at the offensive line, mainly our tackles. Um, I'd say interior offensive line should be pretty set besides, of course, the question mark still going on a left guard. Trent Brown starting on the right. How do you feel about that? I think it's great. I mean, I think he's easily going to be outside Rodney Hudson, the best, you know, the second best offensive tackle along the offensive line. I think in New England, he was didn't have a, you know, a, a long snap to pass. I think that's a concern. I think you see with his pass protection when asked to do five and seven step drops and quarterbacks hold the ball longer than Tom Brady, who's one of the best at getting the ball out. You're going to see him allow more pressures than he did last year. I think that's a guarantee. However, he's still a very capable offensive tackle, specifically at right tackle and a huge upgrade over Brandon Parker. And I think that goes without saying Brandon Parker had one of the statistically worst seasons we've seen from a rookie offensive tackle in the PFF era and that dates back to 2006 which wasn't surprising even though he was the first pick of the Oakland Raiders in the third round traded up for he was still coming from an FCS school this guy was not ready for the big leagues I think he got trial by fire and learned very quickly that the NFL is a little bit harder than North Carolina A&T <laughs> gotcha so at least I think uh, there's a, there's even though I'm concerned about it still this year um, I think there's obvious upgrades. Um, it just, of course, now it comes down to uh, Tom Cable. <laughs> That's going to be, I guess, uh, what, what was that tweet that came out a few weeks ago from Trent Brown? You can't, you can't out, what is it, outplay bad coaching or something. So that's uh, interesting to see where that fired off. I'm, I'm hoping it was more of a uh, compliment to Bill Belichick, and hopefully he's able to carry that over and, and really, uh, you know, either work with Colton Miller or Brandon Parker and really get them uh, solidified on the outside of that offensive line. Mm-hmm. You, you you have to think Trent Brown takes a veteran role along that offensive line. A lot of young guys, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, still being the veterans on the interior, but Trent Brown has to take Colt Miller under his wing and Brandon Parker, for that matter, under his wing because both of those offensive tackles really struggled in year one. I think both of them would say that. Obviously, Colt Miller with the injuries and injury plague mm-hmm, season, mm-hmm. elbow, knee, he had it all. It's difficult to really evaluate his performance, especially in a low sample size, weeks one through three. He was one of the better pass-protecting offensive tackles in the NFL. I came away very impressed, surprised. He was exceeding expectations, in my opinion, from what I saw at UCLA. Injuries put him back towards where maybe I thought he would have landed. A healthy Colt Miller makes it a lot easier to evaluate that pick. And I think Trent Brown getting him better, improving Brandon Parker as well, is only bound to happen even if Tom Cable still is Tom Cable and does what he does. <laughs> exactly. Good stuff, Austin. I could talk football with you all day, but you know what, man? I got another curveball question for you. You ready? Yep. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Mm. I'm going one horse sized duck. I think Ooh. I think without you know with with wings, I feel like I can make some plays there. The beak is obviously a huge concern, but when you don't have, <laughs> I, I don't know, the wings. I feel like I can battle with wings, and, and maybe, I don't know. I think the horse sized duck is the one. The hundred size duck sized horses, I can't do. I don't know if I could make it. That's uh, it's like a never. It's like uh, playing a a game of Call of Duty Zombies right there. So exactly. <laughs> so we found out for all the listeners out there. Now we know everything we need to know about PFF's Austin Gale. He will take his nipple-sized fingers and go fight a horse-sized duck if need be. <laughs> so la- last topic here for you, Austin. Just so you know, and so the listeners know, if uh, I don't think I've even mentioned it so far in this episode, we're gonna be giving away a Josh Jacobs rookie card with this episode. So for those listening, find us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, you share it, follow our page, like our page, um, and you'll be entered in with a chance to win a Josh Jacobs rookie card. So uh, for you, Austin, 
<laughs> what do you think is in store for our rookie running back this year? One, he's going to get a lot of opportunities. I think you know all of Oakland's brass, John Gruden, Mike Mayock included, I'd say even Mark Davis, are heavily invested, first round invested in this running back playing well. And I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities in John Gruden's offense. There's a reason he picked him as high as he did. He wants to get him the ball both on the ground and in the passing game. And coming out of Alabama, he was one of the best receiving talents at the running back position, in my opinion, in this class. Still not worth a first-round pick, largely because of the position, not mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the player. Unquestionably the best running back in this draft. Maybe not worth it at that pick. However, he is. this is what we have. This is what the Raiders have right now. And I think with Josh Jacobs there, you give him a lot of opportunities. He can make the most of those. I think at Alabama, some people are drawing that you know he wasn't a bell cow, never had a lot of touches. I think you can push away some of those concerns, gives this guy the football. He's a very efficient runner, can force missed tackles, catch balls out of the backfield. And he can also catch passes from a slot alignment. You can mm-hmm. move him around a bit. I, I see that uh, a lot of Joe Mixon in him in that regard, and that you can move him out wide, move him in the slot, and get more value out of him, throwing him the football away from the running back, you know, the traditional running back alignment. I think there's a lot of exciting things to like about Josh Jacobs, and I think this offense is really going to revolve around him more than maybe some people think. I think he could be a 250, 300-touch guy. Not carries, but touch guy in that offense. I love it. Uh, we see what young running backs do in this in this modern-day league. They come in almost fresh, almost unknown, and they really can make an impact, especially their rookie year. Rookie year running backs are, are I won't want to say hit or miss, but if you find that right one, uh, they're definitely lethal. And hopefully if this Raiders offense gets clicking, like you said, he could definitely be the main piece. Austin, um, I appreciate you coming on and, and having a chat with me. I understand you're traveling today, so safe travels. But like I said, uh, thank you again for making the time, and we'll see you this season, man. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks again for having me on. As expected, that was a great interview with Austin. If you guys liked what you heard, make sure you follow him on Twitter and you track his content going on over there at Pro Football Focus. You can follow him at PFF underscore Austin Gale. Trust me, follow him. You won't regret it. That was a great chat. Trust me, he can talk football with the rest of them, but his content and the stuff he puts out through PFF is definitely second to none. But hey, the show must go on. And even though I just instilled a new segment into our show a few weeks ago, um, I already had to skip it last week because we had too much content. So we're going to bring it back. It's our new Raiders Beats segment here. And this week, we're going to be covering the few significant challenges in Gruden's second year as the Raiders head coach. Um, I'm one of those guys. I'm right there with you. I see a lot of these moves going on this offseason, and there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of optimism swirling around, and there's a lot of hype, but... There's still things we got to worry about. We're not a perfect football team. So I pulled this article straight from RaidersBeat.com. Make sure you check out their content if you like it. Let's go ahead and let's get into it. June is generally a time of optimism around the NFL, and while it's entertaining to watch Antonio Brown run circles around the Raiders' secondary in the summer, the real tests won't come for another three months. There's a lot to be excited about when it comes to the Raiders, but more than a few challenges, too. Oakland will travel more than any team in the league in 2019. They are again giving up a home game, and they will have arguably the toughest schedule in the league again. 
As for the coaches and players, let's look at a few details that will at least be something to pay attention to, or even worry about some, as the season gets closer. First, the offensive line. Offensive line coach Tom Cable has presided over some of the most inconsistent pass-protecting offensive lines in the past decade. Has he been given questionable personnel all these years, or is he just overrated at what he does? Derek Carr isn't a quarterback that will hide an inferior offensive line the way Russell Wilson did for Cable in Seattle. The good news, though, is that the Raiders' offensive line is much more talented than anything Cable worked with in Seattle. And there's also the John Gruden element that can maybe keep the Raiders' offensive line moving in the right direction. Then, the youth movement. The Raiders will be starting rookies and young players all over the roster this year. There's always a learning curve with the young players, and while the young folk should eventually figure things out, will it come at the cost of another five-win season? Among the rookie and second-year players that are in line to have key roles are Jonathan Abram, Josh Jacobs, Colton Miller, Cleland Farrell, Mo Hurst, and likely a few others depending on how the roster shakes out. And then the defense. Basically cut and paste this problem every year. Even when the Raiders had Khalil Mack, they couldn't stop anyone. Paul Gunther was brought in to turn around the defense, but that didn't happen in his first year, and the team didn't do a whole lot to bolster Gunther's pass-rushing personnel after a record-awful season for sacks in 2018. The hope going forward is that Hurst can stay on course to becoming one of the league's better interior linemen, very possible, and that Farrell can make an impact right away too. Arden Key apparently put on 15 pounds almost overnight, so maybe he can turn the corner and become a pass-rushing presence this year as well. At the very least, he probably has the most potential of anyone along the Raiders' defensive line, so don't rule out something positive happening there. And then the young offensive tackles. This is the worst. This goes hand-in-hand with the cable discussion above, but the Raiders need one of their second-year tackles to at least be average in year two, whether it's Colton Miller or Brandon Parker. The Raiders have to get consistency out of a young tackle. Both dealt with injuries and inconsistent play as rookies, and if Cable can get only one thing right in the next few months, the development of his young tackles should be enough to make a few people happy. Like I said earlier, I'm one of those guys that always surrounds himself with positivity, but you can't be blind to some of these things. Obviously, going into this season, we have a few question marks, and obviously, offensive line, or offensive line coach, should I say, is my number one concern. But it's not saying that we can't get the job done anyways. Um, this is kind of a prove-it year. If you want to talk about a prove-it year being for our quarterback, I think this is more of a prove-it year for our offensive line coach. So I'm interested to see where that takes us. But other than that, you look at this list, and it shouldn't come as much of a surprise. Unfortunately, I feel like our biggest holes still remaining, or our biggest concerns, remain in the trenches, starting with our offensive line. Allowing 52 sacks is definitely unacceptable. And then on the defensive side, only getting 13 sacks for them in return is even more unacceptable. So, hopefully we see the biggest turnaround in the trenches, and if so, that should eliminate all concern out of this article. And if that's the case, we have the weapons, we have the talent in the secondary, we have the weapons on offense, we have the you know, dynamics now in the backfield. Definitely excited to see where this thing takes us. But keep this list in mind. It's definitely something to be concerned with until proven wrong. But on to the next, and we're getting towards the end of this show, and joining me now is Kenny King, man. What's going on, man? What up, brother? Not much, man. Just chilling. We got through uh, a pretty good interview here with Austin Gale. Uh, We knocked out a good little Raiders beat segment, and uh, about ready to take these phone calls, man. You ready? 
Oh man, I'm always ready for these calls. Yeah, we got a couple good ones here. Uh, I think a pretty couple close followers from Twitter. So let's go ahead and uh, let's take this first phone call. Hey, Cody, Kenny. What up, man? It's Raider for Life, a.k.a. BV, but my real name's Brian. What's up, man? Uh, I just want to call, man, just say this show is, is awesome. The stuff you bring every single day, every single week, man. I look forward to every Monday morning driving back and forth to work, finishing a half hour on the way, the next half hour on the way back. Absolutely awesome. You guys kill it every single week. Appreciate it. I got two things I want to talk about. Obviously, number one is going to be the Hard Knocks news that came out this past week. I'll say this. Everybody's all excited about to see A.B., you know, perfect, incognito, Gruden, all this. I was scrolling on Twitter earlier today. I retweeted it. I, I, I don't know who who said it, but they hit the freaking nail on the head. Like, I saw it said, everybody wants to be a Raider. Now everybody's going to learn what it means to be one. Uh-huh. They're going to see that mystique in that yeah. HBO, you know, hard knocks. They're going to see everything Raiders from, you know, the 70s back in the day. We're really going to educate people, and we're going to bring this thing back. That's what I'm excited about, and I don't think yeah. there's going to be any distractions. I think it's going to push us and, and, and just make us more hungry. Number two, this question hasn't been brought up, I don't think, on your podcast. If it has, I'm, I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, was, uh, I was on YouTube the other night, and I was just doing some, you know, going back down memory lane. I was watching, uh, watching a Raiders and... Raiders and the Jets, I believe. I think it was, it was 01 or 02. Ah, good old wild times. Card. It was the year we played them back-to-back. We played them week 17, then we had them at home in the first Oh, game. yeah. And, man, Rich Gannon, you know, I was 12, 13 years old then, but I did not realize how much that dude ran. Yeah, yeah. And last year, when, when Gruden got hired, he said he was going to make Carr scramble mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. become more of a running quarterback. That I love. I do. Now, I understand we did not have the offensive around him last year, let alone an offensive line that can protect him to give him time to get out of the pocket maybe run. But this year, with a more solidified offensive line, bringing in Incognito, bringing in Trent Brown, he's going to have that time back there. And I doubt this will ever happen, but if AB's not open, you know, <laughs> he's going he to start running and getting some yards. Yeah. I just want to know, what's, what's a realistic yardage for D.C. Ooh. this year? On the ground, you know, three, four, five hundred yards maybe. I mean, that would be glorious to see uh just want to know you get y'all guys thoughts and everything and uh once again guys you guys kill it absolutely every single weekend i can't tell you how much i appreciate your show i've been supporting you since day one man and i have not missed an episode yeah and i uh, can't that. forget about my man kenny and chris if you're listening bro i missed you too man and i can't wait to see you guys in the home opener september man yeah out in uh out in Oakland. i'm coming from i'm coming all the way from pittsburgh man well, I've been dealing with all these Steeler fans out here trying to tell them what's right. Let's so, go. Uh, y'all have a great day, man. All right, peace. <laughs> our boy, our boy Brian's going on a on a diet in September, man. He's he's dropping the sodium content from over there in Pittsburgh, and he's coming over to healthy California, man, enjoying <laughs> enjoying himself a little bit. Uh, you know, one one thing I got to say is, is it just me that Brian sounds just a little bit like John Gruden? There, thank you. Thank you, man. I'm like sitting here. I'm like about halfway through it. If I could go back and replay that second half, when he said halfway through it, mystique, I was like, "Oh my God, God, wait, hold man. on." Is Ashton Kutcher here? Is is this John Gruden calling us right now? 
It's freaking, it's Pittsburgh Gruden, man. It's Pittsburgh Gruden. I'm telling man. you. <laughs> freaking Brian. Hey, you know what? Um, coming off your question, uh, Rich Gannon and all of his running. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You almost kind of forget how much he used to scramble. Yeah. Um, I'd say, shoot, I remember during our stretch of playing good football, you know, the early 2000s. I mean, the dude ran, I'd say, at least 200, 300 yards. I know for a fact he had a season where he ran like over 500 yards. It's freaking nuts, man. He he ran uh, a lot more than I think that we can expect Derek to. So I'd give Derek maybe like a max. I'd give him a ceiling of like 300 yards. Realistically, give the man 200. I think it's a successful season on the ground. I don't really want to see, you know, I want to see my quarterback picking up the yards when he needs to, but I don't want to see him scrambling around that much. Um, Obviously, you know, he's kind of more of a pocket passer. Um, but, you know, he has that ability to to swing out and make plays. But you got to remember, last year, man, our tackles oh. were just absolutely awful. And it did not help that for whatever reason, even our interior offensive line was just getting a massive push. We had no pocket. Right. And almost every single time, you could almost bet on it, our tackles are going to get it beat outside wide. So there's nowhere for him to go unless he can somehow slip through the middle of that pocket. It ain't going to happen. So absolutely. if we get him opportunity to get him out and get him running, uh, you know, maybe the play's not there. Maybe he can step up and use his legs. Absolutely, man. But Kenny, what what do you think? What's a realistic number rushing wise for Derek this year? You know, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the three hundred is is kind of the ceiling that we want to look for. What what really stands out to me more uh, about Derek is I want to see more of those yards for first downs and more of those yards mm-hmm. for touchdowns uh, where we're extending the play. Uh, if it's a third and five and Derek doesn't, Derek doesn't see Hunter Renfro or AB or, or Tyrell open or, you know, or uh, Richard's not in the flat or there's, there's nobody that's available. I want to see Derek take off and take those five yards, get out of bounds, but also you guys got to remember. So Rich Gannon was drafted as a cornerback coming out of Delaware. I think Rich Gannon ran what a four seven coming out of, coming out of college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Derek Carr ran a four six, so Derek Carr's got the speed. I think what people want to see is they want to see plays extended, no matter how they get extended. And I think Derek's going to have the ability to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. I like the main point you hit on there is saying you want to see him run for those plays whenever we need those yards. Whether mm-hmm. he's reaching for the marker, he's reaching for the pylon. Those are the plays that matter. I don't care if it's three yards we need to pick up. If he can scramble and get those three yards, uh, must need yards. Absolutely, Kenny. Uh, perfect compliment, man. I think. Uh, I think. I think we took care of Brian's call for sure, man. Absolutely. We got. We got one more here. Let's take this last phone caller. Yo, Raider Cody, what is good, man? This is OG Todd Monday. Yeah. Calling all the way in from the Buckeye State, man. Hey, I didn't call for X's and O's. I didn't call for wins and losses. And I didn't call for roster questions. My question okay. is Raider Nation on Twitter, the culture, oh. Raider Twitter, man. What is going on? Yes. Anything I post is positive or tweet about Carr, I hear he's soft. Anything I post about Cleveland Farrell, all I hear about is he's not Khalil Mack. I'm tired mm-hmm. of it, man. I'm here for positivity. I'm here for positive vibes. Man, I'm hoping Raiders win. I see you and Kenny King out there in the Twitter streets, man, fighting the same <laughs> fight that I'm fighting. Yeah. Everything I'm doing. So, you know, I just wanted to know what's your opinion on Raiders Twitter? What's your opinion on Raider Nation? We all on the same team, but I just really don't get what the point is of being a Raider fan if you just here to troll your own team. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Help me understand that, please, because I'm sitting here 
just shotgun and bang after bang energy drink, man, trying to figure out what's wrong with these folks, man. Hey, I love the show. I love what y'all do, man. Thanks for the time, and keep doing what you do. Peace. Todd, your topic, this is the exact reason why I started this podcast. Obviously, I mean, both me and Kenny, we do most of our damage on Twitter. Um, that's where I'm the most active. The reason, the reason we started this thing is to kind of take control of where this fan base is going. Obviously, uh, the older generation, there's no stopping them. You see a, you see a 50 year old Raider fan. That's how they're going to be the rest of their life as a Raider fan. They're just going to support the team the way they always have. But whenever you see a 20 year old Raider fan on Twitter, Losing his stuff at everything, not being able to control his emotions, not being able to react accordingly to a player, or even in certain cases, most of these guys, they don't even know, I mean, just to be completely respectful or at all respectful to these players. They just think the only time, you know, whenever they, whenever they talk crap to them, they think it's cool to catch a block from a player. It's like, no, man, obviously you're right. pissing them off. You're a fan of the team. Like you're, you're a fan of these players, but you're catching blocks. You know what I mean? I mean, I understand sometimes there's collateral damage, um, but hopefully, you know, if it happened to you at one point, you learn from it. And, and to me, the reason we started this podcast is because I can't stand it. Um, obviously, my MO is, you know, these players are people. It's bigger than football. They have families. They have lives. Right. Kenny, you know this. I mean, shoot, you've been a part of an NFL player, a Raiders football player's life. They have lives. You, you understand yep. that. You respect that. And at some point, mm-hmm. so does our fan base. So whenever it comes down to it, man, I, I, I feel you on every single level, Todd, like every single level. Yeah. So everyone listening here, man, what it comes down to is just having respect for these guys. And, and I know not everyone's going to want to listen to me, but um, at some point, obviously, that's kind of how we've built our podcast. And obviously, in some sense, it seems to be working. I mean, we've got a couple of players on here. We've got a couple of former players on here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some some high, a lot of high profile guests because we're respectful. And when you're not catching the same respect on your Twitter page, then maybe you should you should look at how you're talking to some of these players and how you're treating them. If you're gonna at them, if you're gonna if you're gonna tag them in a post, better make sure you're talking straight about them because otherwise they remember, man. They remember these players see your your Twitter posts. Yeah. They see what you're talking about. Uh, so just be respectful. And that, like, like I said, that's why we started this thing. Be clear, make it clear, and, and hopefully, you know, turn the page because I get tired of seeing all this stuff going on. I get tired of, I get tired of bickering on Twitter over stupid stuff uh, just, because, just because this player isn't a, a future Hall of Famer doesn't mean we can't like them or we can't talk good things about them. Right. So, I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to, just having respect, man, and just being a fan. I, I didn't start watching Raiders football to bicker. I watched Raiders football to get away from bickering, to get away from stressful things. Get on here and, and break away, man. Enjoy some football. Unfortunately, we've had a couple rough seasons. But, you know, man, I'm sitting here. Kenny's sitting here. We're waiting for this thing to turn around, and we're going to enjoy every bit of it, man. Yep. You know, Cody, to, to add on to that, because you got me a little bit fired up. <laughs> you know, one thing that you that you said is, you know, for me, growing up, growing up basically in the locker room and, and being around guys like Willie Brown, Cliff Branch, Howie Long, for me, it's different. You know, I, I got into Raiders football because it was almost like I had to. It was in my DNA. It's in my bloodline. You know, to to be a kid and, and to see Al Davis, you know, face to face and to, and to speak to him, uh, it meant something to me. And that is something that's always stuck with me. And that's why I ingrained it in my kids. But, you know, my question is, what brought you in 
what made you a Raiders fan? Is it because of your parents? Is it because you went to a game uh, and you had a great time of the game? Is it because you went to a tailgate? Is it because you like the colors? Is it, What is it? Because that passion that made you a fan and that passion that kept you to be a fan is the same passion that's driving you to bash these players on Twitter. I think it makes some some people feel better. It's like, you know what? You know what, Steve? You screwed up my number one Big Mac meal at McDonald's the other day. You don't hear me bashing you on Twitter about it. Get over it, man. Get over it. That's why I go to In-N-Out. That's what I'm talking about. If you don't like In-N-Out, stop listening to my podcast. No, I'm just, you know. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. <laughs> Uh, great calls, by the way. Shout out Todd. Shout out Brian. Those are great topics. Obviously got us fired up more than a lot of phone calls. But um, I'll tell you what, Kenny, uh, this week's Real Talk is going to be a little different. Uh, I think the last couple of our Real Talks been a little different. But we're going to jump in. we got another new beat for you guys. We're going to hit this thing. And I think uh, Kenny King got some bold, bold predictions for us, baby. Let's see what you got. Let's go. So we got some bold predictions for y'all. Going into the 2019-2020 season, I'm thinking about what's going to make this team better and what we can do. But here's some bold thoughts for me. First and foremost, I got Josh Jacobs is going to be the first Raiders running back to rush for over 1,000 yards since 2015, which was Latavius Murray. Not only that, he's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Ooh, Kenny, let me tell you something, bro. I'm going to have to add something onto that, man. What you got? I get it. 1,000 yards. That's great. Offensive rookie of the year? It's even better. But I don't think he's only going to have 1,000 re- uh, yards rushing. I'm thinking he's going to have over 1,500 scrimmage yards. I think he tops 1,000. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit behind your bold prediction. I think he tops 1,000, but I think he puts up 500 receiving yards. I love Doug. I love Rocket. But if this kid, man, can really do it all, that's our workhorse, bro. He's putting up 15 uh 1.5k i think uh that's our that's our offensive rookie of the year right there bro stamp it baby number two dwayne harris the most cerebral player on the team not named Derek carr not named john gruden obviously will lead the league in returns for touchdowns that's punt returns and kick returns yeah i'm i'm gonna agree with that just because of uh his his contract signing picture with his dogs, man. <laughs> I'm all Bro, for it. <laughs> he got he got two little fluffy dogs and a bunch of Gucci, baby. <laughs> Scoring some touchdowns. If that picture don't say I'm getting touchdowns, I don't know what the. <laughs> What's next, bro? All right, so here's one that everybody's gonna kind of go <gasps> at, but hear me out. Trayvon Mullen will have more interceptions this year than Garyon Conley. Ooh. Here's why. Everybody already knows that Conley is an island. Yeah. They're gonna test the they're gonna test the rook. And I think when they test the rook, they're gonna get shook. Yeah. And he's gonna take them and he's gonna get those picks. So that's why I say Trayvon Mullen will have more interceptions than Gary on Uh I support this statement. Now, going back to my boy OG Todd Monday, talking about Cleveland Farrell. My man Cleveland Farrell is going to have double digit sacks. Boom. And will lead the NFL rookies in sacks. Take that for a reach, huh? Take that for a reach. Let's see what happens now, huh? Let's go, baby. Let's Look, go. He- here's the thing, Kenny, is I like that statement. I like I like your 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 Cleveland support. I like I like I like the hype. But I'm gonna take the defensive line as a whole here. And not only will they double their sacks, Kenny, 
I'm saying that they're going to more than triple the sacks that they had last year. I'm saying 40 sacks from this defensive line. Let's go. Mo takes a leap. P.J. Hall becomes that vital role player, comes in, makes moves. Arden Key will adjust. I don't think he's only going to be a, a one-trick pony anymore. We know he was fighting nope. through an injury a little bit this year. I think he steps up, and mainly because he has a guy barking up his tree, Mad Max, man. He's going to be battling for reps. So with yep. Cleveland coming in, Benson Mayowa battling to prove it, and Mad Max and Arden Key battling for reps, 40 sacks, Kenny King. Let's get it. Book it. Now, we all know that AB is going to have 1,000 yards, right? Yeah, man. Right, we, we, we can pretty much guarantee that. At least. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams will have over 1,000 yards receiving. Ooh. Ooh, you know what? I'm not even – I'm a little disappointed, Kenny. I don't think that's bold. I think that's a guarantee right there. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> All right, here's a bold one. Because of obviously how things have gone year after year after year after year after year, the Raiders this year are going to win the AFC West. Ooh! Stamp it. Double stamp it. Triple stamp it. No erases. All right, and here we go. Final one. My, my final one. Our new GM, Mike Mayock, is going to win GM of the year. Yeah. I mean, is he not already? Is he not? Dude, if, I mean, even half of your bold predictions come to fruition is he not already general manager is he not already gm of the year i mean come on man and here's the thing dude is is okay i love what mike mayock's doing here i love it right but you know everyone wants to bag on mark davis bro everyone wants to bag on him and claim that he's a bad owner right where does that come from man this dude gave us john gruden he gave us mike mayock he's given us a new stadium He's one good haircut away from being one of the best owners in the NFL, man. So, I mean, I stand by your your, your Mike Mayock statement, but you know what? I think it's time to even pay a little respect to our entire front office right now because I think everybody's putting in work, bro. Everybody's putting in work. I, I really appreciate the work that they're doing uh, from the, the lowest guy in the mail room all the way up to Mike Mayock. You see you see everybody grinding. You see Matt Walks out there grinding. You see my boy Eddie Pascal on Fridays getting his plantains <laughs> grinding. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mike Mayock's doing his thing. And I tell you what, when Lee Mayock gets out here and she brings me my sweet tea from Wawa, I'm going to congratulate her and let her know, hey, your dad's going to be the GM of the year and we're going to have a big party after we win the Super Bowl. Oh, that was another bold prediction, baby. What's up, Raider Cody? What's up, Dad? Thanks for tuning in to the Raider Cody podcast. But don't forget to check out Layla's Corner. You can find me on Instagram. See you later, Raider Nation. So, boom, there you go. Wrapping up a big show in a big way. Shout out again. Thanks to Austin Gale for coming on. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. Make sure you're following our Twitter page as well, at Raider Cody Pod. Follow me, at Raider Cody underscore. Follow Kenny King at New Kung Fu Kenny. And also, we're on Instagram and Facebook. We've also started uploading to YouTube. Not sure how long it's going to last. I know we just had a host change, but there's a possibility that we have another one. So stay tuned. Everything should stay the same. If you want to get involved, Start calling into our hotline. That's 808-650-7220. The phone number is always on our website at RaiderCody.com. And make sure you're checking out our parent site, RaidersBeat.com. That's where all the great content comes out of. 
They're not only the biggest supporter, but they're what makes the show happen. They bring out all the good stuff. They bring out all the best in us. Uh, So yeah, shout out Raiders Beat. And to all you listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with me. We got a good season coming up, and I'm hoping you're enjoying these shows. Hopefully they're getting you a little bit more pumped up for the season. So until next week, Raider Nation, see ya. with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.